0: Hey out there rock and rollers. Welcome to episode number 101 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London rock podcast. Where we try to bring you all the knowledge that we have on classic rock, hard rock, progressive rock, heavy metal, early MTV, and everything that we grew up with in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond everything we've gotten into. Since then, uh, I am your host, Mac B the Wolf. Welcome you to this 101st episode and we'll be joined shortly by my partner in crime, Gary Action Jackson from the East Coast of America. As I come to you here from Europe, actually in Amsterdam, been living in London for years, but needed to spend some time off the little island and on the continent here. And, and I'm enjoying my time in Amsterdam here. It's, it's great post-COVID to be able to get out and explore a little bit more of Europe, which was always the idea when we moved from the US in 2019. And of course, as we talk about on this show quite a bit, Progressive rock is a very British English subgenre of rock and roll music. And all the very best. We're talking about Pink Floyd, Genesis, yes, King Crimson. Don't want to leave anybody out. I mean, I'm a big Rush fan. They're Canadian, which is kind of like UK light and America light. But anyway, in getting to know British culture more by living there and being a bit of an Anglophile, trying to consume its culture as best I can, getting into football instead of NFL, things like that, you start to have a better sense of where prog rock comes from. This kind of country, magical music away from the big city of London that maybe informs your heart, your soul of where you come from and, and, and what you're really feeling versus just the day-to-day, making ends meet kind of stuff that a lot of classic rock is all about. And so we've been on a bit of a prog rock journey, and we've been very fortunate that we've been able to speak with some prog rock heroes, like when we had Jeff Downs of Yes and Asia on the show, or Carl Palmer of Asia and Emerson Lake and Palmer. Of course, we had Steve Hackett on this summer, and, and one of his acolytes, Amanda Lehman, has been on our show a couple of times. And really like this genre of music because it is more thought-provoking. You do have to be a real musician, and you do have to listen. It's not casual listening music. You have to dial in and really allow yourself to hear everything that's going on with this music. So, as I've been on this journey and dragging Jackson along on this prog rock journey of mine, we're trying to find bands that we don't know that well. And one that is that we have no clue about in America, and we feel like most American fans don't, is Gentle Giant. They're a British band. started in the the late 60s, early 70s there had three brothers, the Showmans, and they played some interesting rock. Some call it psychedelic rock, some call it space rock. They would incorporate horns. There's lots of keyboard. They have different singers. It's really very different music than what you're used to hearing on classic rock radio. And in December of 1972, they released their fourth album, Octopus, which featured a killer cover by Roger Dean. And I was always fascinated by the cover. You know I love Roger Dean from all his work with Yes!, and Asia, among others. So I thought this would be a good album to review on its 50th anniversary. But we still don't know much about the band. So we needed to bring in a ringer, somebody who understands prog rock, somebody who knows Gentle Giant and has for a long time and can walk us through not only this album, but the band Gentle Giant. And we were fortunate enough to find a young musician who loves prog, who loves Gentle Giant, is a big fan of this album. And her name is Autumn Hawk Percival. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, hey, women aren't that into Prague. Well, this woman is, and she's a multi-instrumentalist in her own right. She's got her own album coming out here in late November, early December, which we'll, of course, be talking about on the show. But she's also 20 years younger than we are. So that's a rare find. An American, a female, who loves Prague, who's 20 years younger than we are? Well, let's, let's let's get her on the show. Sign me up. I want to know what she knows. I want her to come share with us her knowledge and her passion and why this music speaks to her. So we're going to have Autumn Hawk Percival on here very shortly to talk about Gentle Giant's Octopus. Now, a bit of business. Those of you who listen know we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Podcasts, which is about 100 different shows, mostly all about music, but not all rock and roll. There's really something in there for everybody, no matter what genre of music you like. And we always like to give shout outs to our friends who've been on our show or we've been on theirs, including Christy Alexander Hallberg of Rock is Lit, including Jay Scott at the Hook Rocks out of Chicago, including dear friend Paul Stevenson of Vintage Rock Pod and This Day Rocks. I was on there recently talking about D. Snyder and the PMRC. You might want to check that one out. And then, of course, to the Kiss Kings, Tom and Zeus of the Shout It Out Loudcast. We hope to talk to them again real soon. Not to mention CEO and founder Christian Swain of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Show. Great show, and we loved having Christian on. But we also have to talk about our killer, killer sponsors, and that's rarevinyl.com. Look, guys, I know a lot of you are record collectors, and you want pristine stuff, or you want first edition stuff, or you want those hard-to-find singles from around Europe or wherever they are. Go to rarevinyl.com, find something that you love, and then use the code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T to get 10% off, not only your first order, but every order you make. I guarantee you there's something in there that you want. Over a quarter of a million items in their inventory. They've been doing this almost 40 years. They ship everywhere around the world. So use that code podcast at rarevinyl.com or eil.com. Go find that record, that single, that tour program, whatever it is you're looking for that's special to you, and get it shipped to you directly using our code podcast. So this is fun to talk to someone younger who actually knows a lot about Prog Rock, who has passion and enthusiasm for it. It was great and I think you'll hear that on the show. We had a lot of fun talking to Autumn. She has a wonderful personality. She's easy to talk to and I'm sorry you guys couldn't see her because she is lovely both inside and out. So please buckle in. This is going to be a bit of a long one but I think you'll like this look down Gentle Giant's Octopus with Autumn the Hawk Percival right here on The Wolf.
2: and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off.
0: To hear, to learn uh, that you're so into prog music because we find that most people your age are not. Uh, and, and even people our age, it, it's, it's kind of just a certain type of person and, and a kind of a rare bird anyway. So to find someone who's young and talented, not, not to mention attractive, who oh, likes Prague music, it's like, wow, that, that's someone we really <laughs> need to meet, isn't it?
1: Oh God, thank you. Yeah, it's so it's so rare. I don't even think I know anyone my age that likes Prague. Yeah, no, that's such a good point.
4: You really don't. I mean,
1: you know, I, it's I, I, really hard. Yeah, I know yeah. it's so hard to find someone my age to like talk about Prague with.
4: Yeah, when I was when I was told that this this was going to go down, I'm like, wait, she's she, first of all, she and she's <laughs> yeah. how old and and like really likes yeah, gentle giant octopus. Okay, those things don't go together. What's the <laughs> yeah, hmm. I mean, I'm excited. I've I've never listened to this record before, so I'm excited to get into it. But like like Mac was saying, it doesn't look like those two things go together. So there's a story there somewhere.
2: Yeah, how did you get into Prague there, Autumn?
1: Oof, I'm trying to think. Definitely, it started with Jethro Tull. I don't know if I mentioned like Jethro Tull is also like my favorite Prague rock band. Yeah, yeah. But it had to start with Jethro Tull, and that's probably. I'm trying to think. Okay, when I was six, 17, sorry, 17. Okay. The first Jethro Tull song I heard um, was Bungle in the Jungle. I know okay. that's like a hit.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I probably didn't listen to them again until like freshman year of college. So okay. for me, that was like 19. And then, okay, I actually am like, I lied or I forgot. I actually know someone two years older than me. Who's really into prog he's a guy so okay. i feel like that's more common but my ex showed me jethro Toll and like i just like got into them so hard and then his dad showed me gentle Giants. ah yeah which i feel like is more like common like someone's dad like shows it right. to you
4: yeah yeah Yo, yes you don't walk into the record store if you still go to the record store and say i could get anything but i think i want this yeah somebody yeah. has to lead you down the path right
1: exactly exactly so i wish i could say like oh i just randomly woke up one day and like discovered
5: (laughs) frog rock
1: but my ex's dad like for sure like showed me like gentle giant like did my toes in the water and Mm -hmm. then i just like went wild from there (laughs) well
0: that's cool you you find something that you like and you're turned on by it's like all right how deep can i go with this yeah
1: Yes, exactly, and that's exactly what I did. And like now, I'm trying to. Do you know the band Vanderaff Generator or Vandergraph or Vandergraph
0: Generator? Yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. them very well, but I've heard of them. Sure, yeah.
1: Oh, you should listen to them. They're my favorite right now. They're from the 70s. They were mm-hmm. only like big in Italy, but like they're my favorite right now. They're like the most deep cut. I feel like prog rock, rock. I listen to.
0: Well, that's cool, and I think the 1970s was really kind of the genesis for a lot of this big-time, amazing prog rock. It it came out of the 60s, obviously, bands like Pink Floyd and King Crimson and Yes and Genesis started in the 60s. But really, we had to get the Beatles to kind of break up and then let people kind of evolve You know, in the 70s, not to mention, we had Carl Palmer of Emerson, Lake and Palmer in Asia on the show. And he was saying in the 70s, it was great because you could play anything and the DJs would play it. You could get it on the radio. And then as soon as we got into Asia in the early 80s, like, okay, all that stuff is over. All those time signature changes and tempo changes and 15, 20 minute songs. That's all over. You have to distill that into four minutes. And that's kind of how Asia got their pop prog sound that that Jackson and I really like, but in the seventies, you know, all these bands were really kind of stretching out with and experimenting with all the different sounds and all the different things you could do.
1: Yes. And that's why I love prog. And like just the fact that you could have like so many genres and like one song or like mm-hmm. one album. I just love that. Like, not that, like, rock and roll can be, like, limiting. Because I love, like, classic rock. Like, standard sure. rock.
5: Mm-hmm. But, like,
1: frog rock, like, for me, like, as, like, an instrumentalist, like... That's where I feel like the most free,
4: and and I think that's what that's really what you're going to hear from most people who are listeners, but also musicians, because you can really hear like, yeah, these guys can really play. No offense to your your three chord Charlie out there, right? But yeah, I mean, th- this is really th- there's a lot going on. You have to be very uh, adept at your instrument and adept at like Mac was yes. saying, time changes and being able to play in the band
1: yes and that's what i love like about prog rock musicians because like like you said like the three chord charlie's like not to shit on jerry garcia i love jerry garcia (laughs) i love him and that's why i love him because he can play like three chords for like 20 minutes and like five different songs but then like after a while, it's like, okay, like, can I hear some, like, dynamics? Can I hear yeah, can click? we change something like, up? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, something different? And, like, that's why, like, everything you said, like, that's why I love prog rock. Because you can listen to an album for hours, and it feels like you went to, like, 10 different worlds, you know?
0: <laughs> but yeah, and it's dense. I mean, there's a lot in there. I- I've made a note on here, especially listening to this Octopus record. I'm like, yes. this doesn't sound like something you listen to. Casually, you you have to <laughs> no. sit down and focus on it, and it's like something Jackson would say, this is headphones material because you got to hear all that different stuff that's going on, you know.
1: Yes, and I love that headphones material. That's so <laughs> clever. No, it's so true, and I love that you picked like this album because this one in particular, I honestly like haven't. I'm trying to think, probably haven't listened to it in like a year or so. I. I repeat, like the same albums I love. Mm -hmm, Sure. Like I love that you picked this one because I was like, "Wow, my God, I need to listen to this again." But this one is to me like one of their weirdest. Okay. Because, like, I don't have you listened to like their other albums.
0: So we always do research, and it's and and I I haven't listened to their entire catalog after a bit. No, that's the thing. But I have listened to their other albums, and I feel like this one was kind of a bit of a turning point for them or at least, at least a pivot point you know what i mean
1: yes no i agree because the other ones like not that this one doesn't like flow but to me like in like a thematic like aspects like the other ones flow together more like the tracks are like okay cool like this is all kind of like in the same vein mm-hmm. and like this album it's like what the like that's at least how i feel i'm like oh my god like where are we going now <laughs> yeah. i love that
4: well, and it kind of seems too like in listening to this, and and to be honest, yeah, this is this was to do this show, this was the first time I'd ever listened to this record before. So you've got two basically you've got two guys on here. You've got you've got Carrie and then you've got one of the shulmans
5: yes. writing
4: writing the music, and you can really tell the difference one to the other. Like it does you, like you said, it doesn't really flow. I mean the, the album kind of goes together, but you can if I didn't tell you, like, this isn't the same guy who wrote these songs, they're they're different.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, was, you can still hear that.
4: Yeah, so before we get deep into the record, let, let's talk a little bit about you
0: and your musical journey. I mean, you are a musician, a multi-instrumentalist, a songwriter, and you've been in a band, but now... You're doing it solo. I mean, like in Prince solo, like I play every, I play every instrument. I write all the stuff. I do all the singing. Yeah. How did you evolve to that? And how, how big a factor was Prague in all this evolution?
1: Mm, Okay. Well, I got into like playing solo just to simplify it. Like as my therapist says, I don't like work well with others. (laughs) And also, like being like a band leader. Not that I'm not fit to lead, but I think like not to be sexist. Like I hate bringing in like gender.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like I've always been like the only woman like in all of my band setups, sure. mm-hmm. and like to I guess like be like perceived as like an authority figure to like a group of men, like. I needed, like, a certain, like, personality type. Like, I guess, like, more assertive. And I was totally just, like very lax since we were just like well, however you're feeling guys and like <laughs> sure we can start now and just basically giving like a group of men like no boundaries and just saying like the floor is yours like go <laughs> crazy and like they did like go crazy and like you know and like I take accountability like I totally didn't say anything like until it got bad and like that's why things flew up Okay. It just felt like a Beatle situation, you know? It just felt like a Beatle situation. Like, I was being a John. Like, I was just like, whatever. Like, the vision. Like, (laughs) music. Instead of, like, this is a business, you know? Mm -hmm. I wasn't being the Paul McCartney that I needed to be.
4: Gotcha. That's, That's tough. That's tough to do. I mean, we... We did, we did a whole episode on the Get Back Peter Jackson deal, and oh you could really gosh. see how it, it, in parts of it, like McCartney had to be the leader, but it was tough for him. Oh so gosh. I can't even imagine, especially with like you you brought up the dynamic of you being a female and trying to tell males what to do i can't imagine yeah yeah, i can't imagine that went smoothly
1: no it was hard (laughs) it's just like men in their 20s also like you can picture (laughs) that you know (laughs) it was a long
4: time ago but yes i can i can picture it somewhere
0: i
1: remember it It was hard because it's like guys in their 20s it's just like they're definitely they're not going to listen to a woman in general like i'm sure there are maybe some men in their 20s out there maybe that listen to women i don't know but like, yeah, yeah. So it was just like a mess. And especially a woman their age, it was just like, yeah, you're a peer, you know? Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> like, so so when buddy. you were in the band dynamic, were you still writing all the material or how did that work?
1: Yes, I was okay. writing all the material. And like at the time, and I think, um, and leading into like the last part of your question, like how does Prog rock tie into this? Mm-hmm.
5: Like
1: at the time, like I wouldn't say, I will, okay, I will say I wasn't confident enough. To like show my like prog rock writing because I just knew like most people my age like didn't really like prog rock and or like wouldn't
3: get it yeah or
1: wouldn't get it that was mostly <laughs> yeah the thing the latter they wouldn't get it right so I was kind of shy and like I would show my band at first and they would kind of just look at me and be like okay like I don't really know what this is and like so I would have to simplify my writing and just make like the classic rock version gotcha. Which was still fun, you know, but it was like, oh, this isn't like being true to myself.
4: Not really what you wanted to do.
1: No, not at all. And so I feel like that experience and I did that for eight years, like just doing that for eight years and it all like finally just like getting to me and driving me like literally crazy. (laughs) I just was like, I fired my whole band one night and just like didn't say a word, blocked them all. And like my favorite artist is Todd Rungren.
5: Oh wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so I said, like, you know, I have to pull a Todd Rungren. Like I just need to like get rid of everyone, like be by myself, like go crazy in the studio, like be like a wizard and just like go off. Mm-hmm. So that was two years ago and I just like went from there. <laughs>
0: Good for you. Good to be true to yourself and and follow your own heart and and your own muse. You know, you don't need other people encroaching on your uh, on your vision, on your artistic vision.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I hate to be that person. Like I needed to be an artist, you know, like the vision, like you said. But like I was feeling so depressed and I felt like honestly imposter syndrome. I was just like, this isn't me. Like, I don't know whose music this is, but it's not mine. Like,
0: Mm. Well, no, if you're writing the music, you're in charge, whether they want you to be or not, whether you want you yeah. to be or not. And maybe it took <laughs> you a little while to figure that out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wish I figured it out like sooner than later, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> yeah, living
0: you're life. here now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so were you a musician your whole life? Did you start as a young child or was it something you came up as a teenager? Like, oh, I want to do this.
1: Um, I started playing piano at seven years old. Wow. And I didn't really know if I wanted to be a full musician then. I just... I wouldn't say I liked it. I got into piano because I um I have ADHD and, like, it was horrible as a kid. And so my mom thought, like, okay, maybe if I, like, get her into piano lessons, she'll, like, calm down. And focus. You know? yeah. yeah, and focus. And it, it kind of worked, like, except for, like, when I wasn't playing piano. Like, it only worked... <laughs> when I was playing piano.
5: <laughs> right.
1: So, yeah. But it was fun. I quit piano. I was always very dramatic. I quit piano at nine, and, like, I <laughs> joke that I retired. Like, <laughs> I had a short piano career. But I um, started playing piano at nine because I saw the Start Me Up video on VH1 Classics. Nice. Where, like, first time. That was my thing when I was, like, little. Like, I think at age eight, I started watching... Like MTV and VH1 classics. But like seeing Keith Richards, I was like, whoa, like he's so cool. Yeah, be like that guy yeah <laughs> and so yeah i made my parents get me a guitar and like started lessons cool
0: that's awesome and we we feel the same way about keith richards you know i mean we, yeah. we, he's the coolest man on the planet you know he can kick jack nicholson out of the cool room anytime he wants yes!
4: you know? <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> although we've we've uh we've kind of touched on this uh more than once on this show that if you want to be a musician, you have to learn you have to have the, the learn how to play the piano. That's the even Eddie Van Halen, who so you know, was true. world famous for being a guitarist, said if you have to know how to play you have to know how to play, lead with one hand and rhythm with the other. And if you can do that, then you're a musician.
1: Well, I didn't know that that's so true. Yes, mm-hmm. Eddie Van Halen, that's so true. I'm honestly like glad I started playing piano. Even though for a long time, like especially when I was like a kid and a teenager, I hated that. Right. I played piano, and I was kind of embarrassed because it wasn't cool. Right. That's why I started yeah. playing guitar. Yeah. But like now, as an adult, I'm so glad I started playing piano because on the theory level, piano helps me. That's how like I think of like music theory, like structurally, and also just playing. Like now, like I switched kind of completely to piano, like my main instrument I play now is piano and it's like way more fun. And so I'm glad that I started because like, I wouldn't be able to just switch so quickly, you know, mm, just like that's right. as a piano player.
0: Well, good for you. That's awesome. That's cool. And now are you, you were kind enough to send us some of the mixes, not not yet, Master. No, you're still working on finishing I'm, up your I'm
1: really not next week. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. You know, uh, And some amazing sounds in there and well, your, your, your lyrics are, uh, are poignant and, you know, they're pretty grown up. I mean, obviously you've had a lot of time to <laughs> yeah. live through life. And the songs you write at 21 are very different than the songs you write at 30. Not musically, but yeah. because of what you've been through in life. And you can hear some of your life experience coming through in these songs.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, um, I'm trying to think. These songs, they're based on, like, the feelings I've had, like, over the last six years, like, up until now. But, like, I wrote them over the last two years. And, yeah, I guess you can say, like you said, they're very grown up. They're my dark feelings. Like, night moods is, like, what I call my feelings that keep me up at night.
4: Mm, Interesting.
1: So that's what all of those songs, like, the lyrical content are all of my feelings that keep me up at night.
4: So when do you think you'll have it uh, done and ready for... uh introduction to the world
1: i'm hoping like late november i'm crossing my fingers like latest december but I'm like aiming for late November.
0: Okay, cool. And then are you going to gig out? You're going to go do some live shows
1: around it? No, I'm actually not performing anymore. I retired Ah. from performing.
0: (laughs) And you never know when that might come back at some point, but it sounds like this material would be killer live, you know, if you can find, uh, you know, well, one day, you know, when you kind of figure out, okay, this is the way I want to do it. And obviously you might need a little help. You might not be able to do all of it by yourself, right?
1: No, no, yeah. definitely not. Like, if I were to perform this album, like, I would definitely have a band. Definitely with, like, older, like, session players. Like, not with guys my age. Like, not to shit on guys my age. But, like, <laughs> I always joke, like, guys, like, aren't adults. Like, until they're, like, in their 50s. I- I'd say that's but- true. huh? Yeah. yeah okay I'm like you can like <laughs> confirm that for me so like I prefer to work with guys or like deal with men like in their 50s and like up
0: well we're almost there I mean we turn 50 very soon you know so oh,
1: uh yay okay you're almost adult I'm so. almost <laughs> adult I,
4: I my
0: did wife quit. will be super excited to hear that I did, I did quit my job and start a podcast so I don't know how adult that is
3: but we'll <laughs> find out here up. soon yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Jeff Downs, and you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf.
2: Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again, with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts.
0: father got you into gentle giant because he is older he's probably our age or older and maybe experienced some of this you know in the 70s like he heard this when it was coming out brand new yeah
1: yeah definitely yeah he's like i think in his mid to late 60s so definitely
0: so and he could have caught them live in the 70s because they were a, a pretty good touring act in the 70s yeah
1: yes and honestly he saw this album live like 1972 yeah really you saw this album live because i'm trying to think which song i'm gonna quickly i actually like took notes okay. on this album for the podcast so i'm quickly going go to my notes to try to remember which one he showed me i think it was knots i don't Not. know if you listened did you listen to that track oh sure
5: mm-hmm.
1: and that's like the, to me like the weirdest one on that album Cause it's like weird, just like the choir, like layering and just like the rows, like rowing, like that weird, like vocal technique. Like that one's just so weird. Like it kind of sounds like a nightmare to me.
0: No, it's at it, my notes here. It's clever, but it's weird. That's not. Yeah,
1: <laughs> completely. And so that's, I think like when he played me that song, it was that song and was it Tarkus? He was showing me like so many by Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Right. He was showing me like so many like Prague songs, just like his favorite ones. But like those two songs, they're so just like weird, but like not. So I was just like, what the hell is this? (laughs) I want to hear more. Well,
0: that's cool that not only was it like, this is weird, but give me more. Because sometimes it's like, this is weird. Don't ever play this for me again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It was definitely not that. I'm weird, but I think you know that. Like I'm 30, I'm into prog rock, like I'm a girl. So I was just like, wow, you know, I'm trying to think of the weirdest like band I listened to before I got into prog rock. I don't even know. I'm trying to think of like a psychedelic band. I don't really know. I feel like I listened to like normal like textbook classic rock band. <laughs>
5: yeah. But, like, like we luckily, did. Yeah.
1: You know? But like luckily I wasn't I'm, I guess David Bowie cuz he can get kind of weird and proggy. Like he was That's the right. weirdest. But yeah, I don't know why because he showed me like the weirdest one too. Like, it's not. There's like so it. many like gentle giant songs. Yeah. Like, I could pick for someone's first time that are kind of like normal I guess
0: <laughs> sure <laughs>
1: so it was just funny to me like this one not I was like whoa I want to hear more
0: I know because I was listening obviously I listened to this album a couple of times and then I'm like all right you two just run me something just just let me hear more of their music so I can become more familiar with it and, and there's definitely some stuff that is what I would call more listenable than this yes. is, you know what I mean?
5: Yes.
0: Yeah, so uh, so this was an interesting one. I, I kind of picked it because it's about to turn 50, probably about the, the time that your new record comes out.
5: Oh, wow, okay.
0: And it's got a killer Roger Dean cover on it of the octopus. And I don't know if you can see behind me here, but I have some Roger Dean hey. prints out there because I think his artwork is amazing, whether it was what he was doing for Yes or Asia or...
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. He did, like, Yes's covers?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, he did most most of them. Um, there's a few cool. that, in the late 70s, that I think the guys at Hypnosis, who did a lot of Pink Floyd stuff,
1: okay. did.
0: Uh, and they did Houses of the Holy for Led Zeppelin, and they're, they're very oh. famous at that. But the, the yes. guy who made the Yes logo and has done, like, the Tales from Topographic Oceans and, and most okay. of their stuff, that's Roger Dean. And Asia, if you, you know, you oh. see the... Uh, and then if I... See, I don't know if I can turn my thing here. Can you turn it
4: over? Let's see. Yeah. Oh, you might be able to see is.
0: The Dragon with the Pearl right back there from the first Asian yes. album. No, I think he's an amazing artist. And he did kind of open for Yes on their recent Close to the Edge at 50 tour. He comes out and introduces the band.
5: That's amazing. And then he
0: has a gallery where he's selling prints like out, besides just Yes t-shirts, you can get these amazing Roger Dean prints. So I'm like, all right, the octopus one is killer. And- it's not the only cover that they had. The North American cover was done by somebody else, and it's uh, it's an octopus in a jar.
1: Yes. That, that's I've seen that yeah, that's very
0: Yeah, and apparently, it also had uh, on original release. It had a die cut like special release in the shape of a jar. I'm like, "Well, that must be worth a pretty oh penny if God, you can find that yes. one today." <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, on eBay it's probably worth like so much. Oh
0: yeah. Absolutely. Who did the cover, hold on? It was Charles White. And not familiar. Not not familiar either, but he was known for chronicling African American related subjects. I guess was his thing is a black man, you know. Uh, well, it was he, wow. he? He died in the seventies, maybe six years or so, seven years after he did this cover. But yeah, I mean, it just it's always interesting to me. Is like, why do you have alternative covers? And if you have something killer like
4: Roger Dean, why do you need a second one? You know, it's just it's just curious to me. Yeah. And why did you commission a whole nother one? Like I could see if it was like the Roger Dean art and then a picture of the band or something like that. But you actually had two separate things that you did that actually they they both look pretty cool. Yeah. Obviously, you know, from the rest of the show, my heart will always be with Roger Dean. That's right. Um, But they're both pretty cool looking.
1: Yeah, I think it's for the novelty thing. Like the Beatles did that with that butcher cover thing. You know?
0: Yeah, it could have been, yes. I think that was, once people saw that, it was like, uh, we need another
4: cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? I know their alternative cover was, like, for different reasons.
4: <laughs> but it's, like,
1: the novelty factor. Like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know?
0: Yeah, no, cool. And so, alright, so, and I also what I found really interesting was After this, I think it kind of set them up for more success as a touring act, at least in America. I think they probably did okay in like the UK and Europe. But in 72, they opened for Black Sabbath and they were regularly booed (laughs) off the stage by Sabbath fans because (laughs) these two things don't mix, especially what Sabbath was doing then,
4: right? Right, And especially in the United States, Uh too. Especially in the US. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Definitely not, because 1972, I feel like, at least for me, was, like, the peak time for hard rock, you know? That's when all the, like, heavy hitter hard rock bands had, like, my favorite albums out. You know that year? Zeppelin,
0: Mm -hmm. Purple, Sabbath. Yeah,
1: Zeppelin, exactly, you know, like, all the heavy hitters. So, of course, like, I love Gentle Giant. Like, I love Weird. I'm really into, like, medieval fantasy and medieval history, so I love, like weird like lute music and like mm-hmm. songs that like maidens would like frolic to you know <laughs> but like black Sabbath fans like they wouldn't want to hear that like they're more like i want to hear what like the wizard or like the castle mage is like listening to while like summoning demons and like that's not like gentle giant energy
4: you're right those two things don't even go together even on paper this saturday black <laughs> sabbath and gentle giant gentle wait giant. what no huh no, but they did tour with toll what your favorite they did tour
0: with yes and that makes sense yes.
1: mm. yeah uh, that does make sense that does Jethro toll like has some rockets and that's why i love Jethro toll but that's why i also love gentle giant because they're so weird i feel like they're <laughs> one of the weirdest like prog rock bands and like Derek shulman i think That's, like, the main brother. Mm -hmm. He's, like, the vocalist. Like, he was just super hardcore about, like, um, just saying, like, so weird and just not, like, conforming. And so, like, I really appreciate that, too. Even though, like, business-wise and, like, trying to fit into the mainstream, that doesn't really work. Right. That's why I love like gentle giant giant and like Derek in particular, like that member.
4: Cool. Yeah, and, that, and, and in kind of doing some research for this, just in the show in general, it's it, it, to me, like prog rock is like, Oh yes. And Genesis. Yeah. But if you're really a fan, then you listen to like the weird stuff, the yeah. gentle giant and the camel. And King, yeah. yeah camel, yes. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. And it's to me, and we've said this on our show a lot, to me, it's a very English sub-genre. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I I moved to London for three and a half years, and you know, you start right. to absorb, you know, some of this British culture. It's like, well, I like some of what I know of Genesis. I know some of what I know of yes. Obviously, I like Pink Floyd. So what else is there? You know, and you start to learn about Linda's and you start to learn about. Gentle giant, I'm like, all right, well, I still didn't know anything after three years of living in England anything about gentle giants. Like, who is going to teach me about this? Yes, the pretty 30 year old girl from Southern California, of course. (laughs) Who else would it be? Right? Yeah,
1: (laughs) so funny. You would think like the guy living in London would be like the one to teach us, you know?
0: Oh, you don't know. I know. No, I don't know. (laughs) I really don't.
1: And I love that. And honestly, like, I'll joke, like, I'm a bit of an Anglophile myself. But like, no, I'm totally gonna like, full on. I'm obsessed with like British Invasion. Honestly, that got me into Prague rock. Like, oh. I've always been obsessed. I think that's like my favorite, like, besides Prague, like subgenre of rock. Okay, like British Invasion, I feel like that leads you there. Like, that's the gateway drug, at least for me, <laughs>
0: for
5: prog rock,
1: rock <laughs>
0: you
5: know,
1: British yeah. Invasion.
0: Absolutely, that's where it all started from. And then, those bands, I mean, you got to say that the Beatles were a bit experimental. The Stones did some, oh,
1: yeah, the Who Same did the some, Kings. Like yeah, the Kinks for me really got me into prog rock because Ray Davies, he's so weird and like. If you listen like to the Kinks, like their albums, like throughout time, like it gets so weird. It is so weird. Like I don't know what kind of rock. Like I guess it turns kind of like glam rockish to me at least. Mm-hmm. Not like kind of like I don't know what to call it. Like, or maybe it's still like Baroque pop, but just like evolved or something. But like Ray Davies to me could he's so like prog in the way.
0: Well, that's interesting. Take. Yeah, that's cool to think about. And 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 it was look. We talked to our founder, Pantheon founder, Christian Swain, about this recently. The 70s is when all this stuff happened, right? It, it was really just yes. kind of the, the Beatles and the Stones and kind of the Hoop, and, and then the Creams dominating the 60s. Yes. And then once, once they got done with that, and then they kind of opened up the doors a little bit, then the 70s you, is where all these genres came from. And then as much as we love the 80s, look, Jax and I grew up on MTV when it was new. And when it was oh, new- wow it was amazing you know it was fantastic
5: Mm -hmm. yeah but
0: but if you didn't look good you might not get on mtv you know so
1: true yeah
0: christopher cross was having a hell of a career until mtv came along you know uh (laughs) nothing against chris but you know he's probably still caught between the moon and new york city but anyway the 80s changed it so now it's okay now it's got to be Height. it's got to be short you got to have a catchy video to go with it so even people like genesis and yes who used to do these epic songs now they're doing owner of a lonely heart and yes, invisible touch so
1: though. yes owner of a lonely heart like I think it's good because it grew on me. Like, it's so corny. It's so cheesy. And, like, (laughs) it's so, like, okay. Like, I was like a 70s weird band, and like, I had to sell out so I could, like, keep like going through the eighties, but I love that song. I love that song. Oh yeah,
4: so do we. You know, it
0: was a point we came out when we were ten, you know, and we saw it every oh hour God. on M T
5: V, you
1: know. Oh that's and, it's, awesome. and it still
4: has it still has one of the greatest uh guitar riffs in it also. So I mean you yes. know what it is. I mean that's still yeah the song is cheesy, but that riff <laughs> and the solo are still pretty cool today.
1: The solo and the solo so cheesy, but it's so good. <laughs>
4: but but okay, so but however when you watch the video and they're and they're cutting up metal while he's doing it, you know, with the with the sparks and everything like yeah, folks, yeah. that, goes together. It really it adds to the to the flavor of the song,
1: right? It adds to the corn. yeah. Nice. yeah.
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. And Trevor Rabin then did become. You know quite the uh, you know the musical score, musical director may have done some musical scores for people you know. I don't know about that or not, but
1: okay, I'll but, have to look into that. I, mean, I think he's
0: done like 50 different movies or something crazy like that, you know.
5: So oh,
1: wow,
0: yeah, he's, he's pretty prolific, yeah. But at any rate, let's let's kind of get into this gentle giant octopus, their fourth record, and what it was their last with with Phil Schulman, right? There were three brothers.
1: The brothers, Ray, yes.
0: Phil, and Derek. And this is the one where yes. Phil's like, okay, this is it. I, I can't do this anymore. But he did this one, right?
1: Yes. And let me look at my notes again to see, like, which songs in particular. Okay, the first one, that one I wrote, I, like, took a note, is one of my favorites. The first track. And you, like, you listened to it. Like, you said all of it.
5: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: That one's my favorite. Mostly, well, besides, like, the instrumentation, like, the lyrical contents, it's, um, are you familiar with Gargantua and Pantagruel?
4: I'm not, no. Strangely enough, no.
1: Okay. Well, I already mentioned that I'm weird, and, like, I think it's pretty <laughs> clear. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that a lot. I think it's pretty clear that I'm also, like, a nerd. Just, I feel like anyone who's into prog rock, like, you're a nerd. Like, you're mm-hmm. a nerd. You know? Like, you are and so um and pantagruel it's, right. it's a book um it's a fantasy book written in the either late 1700s or early 1800s okay
5: um
1: i'm a huge fan of like 18th century like fantasy mm-hmm. this one this book in particular it's so good it's about like a city of like giants like their world but this song is about that it's based off of like that book right and um their other album acquire the taste have you listened to the album that's their
0: second record yeah
1: yeah okay um they have a song called pantagruel's nativity and it's also like alluding to that book it's referencing so that's what i like about it as a nerd
4: and this right here is why it doesn't caught. it never caught on the united states because (laughs) we are way too dumb for that i'm (laughs) sorry (laughs) We really are.
1: So true. It is. No, (laughs) it really is true. And that's why I love like British musicians. Because honestly, like English people, and I'll say that like as an anglophile, like English people are like smarter, their education's better. And like, even if you're not like smart in London, like, you know, Shakespeare, you know, the classics, it's just like in the British blood, you know? And so that's why I love it. Like, same with, like, Led Zeppelin. Like, they're referencing, like, Tolkien. Tolkien, like, yeah. mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. As a nerd, I'm like, yes, please, like, reference, like, all the books I lived in, like, as a kid. And even now, as an adult. So that's why I love that track.
4: You know what my comeback is to that? Yeah. Free Bird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, that's so American. So American. So USA. American. USA. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And as someone who lived in jacksonville where they are from they play oh they play that song well at least they play leonard skinner like every sixth song 24-hour loop
1: there's
0: no time for gentle giant on classic <laughs> rock in jacksonville florida let me just tell you oh that. my god
1: no that's Freebird central yeah
0: but that's the advent of panurge is the name of the song written by yeah. carrie Manier. and what's interesting to me is carrie who is the, the kind of keyboard player piano player he would sing. He has this kind of sweet, soft voice. He couldn't yes. do it live. He never sang live. Derek so and Ray would sing, too. Well, and I guess I guess Phil would as well. But Derek and Ray would sing. But he wouldn't do it live because I guess he couldn't project it live in a way that it would come across. So Derek would have to do that as well, I guess.
1: And that makes sense. Because you probably noticed, like, Derek, he has, like, the stronger, like, voice and like to me that's why he's my favorite vocalist in gentle giant like he is has like the confidence you know so that makes sense
0: yeah he has a presence on stage you know Is because a lot of these prog bands they would kind of sit down and they would you know keep their heads down and just like focus on what they were doing right even pink floyd they didn't move they didn't do anything on stage you know but this guy was a front man right he's up there
1: dance right yeah exactly yeah those moves (laughs) yeah literally
0: you know yeah no he's you know very magical there's some nice harmonies in there it's very jazzy because you know it's kind of offbeat right you know kind of thing and there's you know there's some some staccato kind of stuff in there which, which makes them different than just what you normally hear on the radio
1: definitely and that's what I love about them. And, like, even with this song, like, you mentioned, like, Harry's, like, vocals. Like, he's more, like, soft and, like, mm-hmm. they're all kind of weird. I'll just say, like, <laughs> weird again. They use that word a lot. But he's more, like, soft and, like, haunting and weird. And, yes. like, now that I'm thinking about his vocals, I wonder if he's actually singing, um, Have you listened to the album, like, In a Glass House at all?
0: I did listen, I I mean, I didn't listen to it intently the way I listened to this one, but I've heard it, yeah.
1: Okay, I'm just like, I wonder, but also, like, Derek can kind of sing, like, soft and also in that, like, higher register, so it could be him. But it makes sense, like, why his vocals were hard to sing live, like, especially as a keyboard player, because you're you're not singing from a place of, like, oh, I'm a vocalist, so, like, I'm going to use my diaphragm, like, all these things, you know? So it's hard, like, that kind of, like, vocal tone, like, soft and wispy, even as, like, a trained vocalist, it's hard to project from that, like vocal tone so interesting i do not blame that guy i know it's really hard well that's cool that's
0: that's good insight right there all right let's move on to track number two i love the title raconteur troubadour
1: yes! apparently, apparently they
0: they the co- they had a concept for this you know it's it kind of a concept record in that they would start with writing a song for the personality of each member of the band yes! right
1: yes i cool wrote idea. that down notes. yeah yes
0: cool idea, you know? And so Muneer, again, I think he wrote this one and he's doing the vocal little minstrel music. Like uh we talked about Deep Purple, Richie Blackmore has evolved into being this kind of purveyor of minstrel music from
1: yes.
0: Baroque times. And it sounds a little bit like something he would do today.
1: Oh yeah. That's so interesting. You know, it totally is. Cause it's that like, I guess you could call this do you know, like, are you familiar with like Canterbury Rock?
0: Not really. No. <laughs> are
1: you okay? That's no. a that's like a deep cut, sh- like sub genre of like prog almost.
0: I read the and Canterbury there- Tales in high school. That's as close as yeah, I got.
1: Canterbury Tales. I feel like it's honestly from the same like area, like Canterbury. It's basically countryside, like weird, like nerd, like guys rock, like mm-hmm. even that's- nerdier. That, that's what it sounds like. Wait,
4: what do they call that? Larping. The, uh, the yes, life action role playing. That's what that's what this yes. reminded me of. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's literally like that's the essence of like Canterbury Rock, <laughs> and it sounds like honestly creatures from like Canterbury Tales would like listen to this
5: <laughs> and like rock
1: out. And that's so the vibe of, like, that track, like, what is it called, Raconteur Troubadour? It's that weird kind of, like, I'm trying to think of the word, like, I'll just do, like, a Shakespeare reference, but it's super, like, puck-like, like, like, Midsummer's Night Dream. Mm, It's, like, mm -hmm. super English, like, it's just so fucking English, like, I'm from the country, and, like, just, like, weird, like, you know? (laughs) I love that. No, and this
0: thinking person's music. This isn't, you won't listen yes. to ACDC and then put this no. on. Not that there's anything no. wrong with ACDC. We love ACDC. Oh,
1: I love ACDC. But it's not the same. No, I love that. This is thinking man's music completely. Yes, yeah, like you have definitely read a few books or so. Like yeah. if you listen to this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you get the horns and the violin and the bridge. Oh,
1: so good.
0: It's a little odd, but, you know, and it, it kind of wraps his story as this raconteur troubadour up that way. It's, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's, again, you have to kind of focus and listen to this. You can't just put it on in the background while you're cooking, something like that.
1: No, definitely not. And, like, you also have to have, like, a sense of humor. Mm. That's what I love about prog rock, like, especially, like, Gentle Giant. And also Jethro Tull, like, Ian Anderson does this. Yeah, he does. have, like, little kind of, like, Canterbury-ish rock, like, just, like, quips and little things where you're just, like, what the hell? Like, again, like, yeah. you wouldn't just sit down and listen to this and be like, wow, I'm going to, like eat breakfast or just like go drive in the car and just like listen (laughs) to this and be like woohoo you know Mm -hmm. you know know, it's funny it's
4: funny you say that because i was trying to do this and something else and i'm like i can't i can't i have to i have to concentrate on what i'm doing to make notes on this because i'm gonna miss something
1: no it's yeah it's too weird to like Mm -hmm. listen to in the background right
4: right and it's too dense you're
0: gonna miss something yeah.
1: Yes.
0: And the Peter Gabriel Steve Hackett years of Genesis, they're notorious for working this stuff in there. The little funny quips or double yeah. entendre stuff that you have to listen for, right?
1: Yes. And I love that. And honestly, I'm gonna look this up later, but like I wonder if these bands like would be like grouped into Canterbury Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Gabriel is like so just like weird, like storybook raw. I kind of call him that. Like his style of writing is almost like storybook to me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, sure, yeah.
1: And I love that. I love that kind of prog rock.
0: Yeah, All right, well, that's cool. great. Right. Well, let's let's cruise on to track number three here, a cry for everyone. This time, Ray Ray Shulman is on the vocals, yes. and I gotta say, as soon as I heard this, because it has an actual guitar riff that starts this off. Yeah, that's that that's kind of the world that Jackson
4: and I come from. We're guitarists. Okay. Yeah, this was much more of a comfort okay. zone for me. I'm like, okay, here we go now. Right.
1: I love that. Are you guys um guitar players or just like into like guitar? We're not
4: very good. Yeah. I'm, I'm really a good. really no. I'm a really, really good air guitar player.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
4: I, I have so guitars so I can teach my eight-year-old daughter to be better than me, but that's about <laughs> it. Oh,
1: that's so cute. I love that. But yeah, no, that's so that's so true. Cause I feel like Gentle Giant, like especially with this album, like it's more just like keyboards and like mm-hmm. strange like string arrangements mm-hmm. and like weird sounds, you know? So no, totally it's like great to have like a familiar like instrument, like on a structural level, you yes. know.
4: Like I know what that is, and that's Gary yeah. Green on guitar, you know. Uh. <laughs> so, so that brings up an interesting point too. You're saying this, this isn't, this isn't what they usually do. If you're Gary Green who doesn't write any of the songs, and you show up and you're like, okay, fellas, what are we doing? Oh, okay, I guess I'll sit in the corner while you play, and if you need me, let me know.
1: Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Like that must have been such a such a good point. Like such a strange experience, but also like. A plus for him you know for like holding it down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i would personally be like intimidated like walking in the room with like the shulman brothers and just like gentle giant and just hearing like that weird like not weird i say that a lot but like that storybook kind of music and you're just like okay look let me try to like riff on this and like you know (laughs) like sound cool So A-plus for him. Yeah, Yeah.
0: no, and and that's the thing. I mean, it kind of sounds like a more familiar tune to us, and then there's a break, and it gets really proggy, you know, and the synth Uh and the odd sounds and the bridge kind of dominate for a while, and so you come back to that heavy riff that I liked in the first
4: place, and you kind of finish with some of that, I'm like, all right, well, they're showing me another texture here, basically.
5: Yes.
4: And also, I have a, I have a note here, uh, inspired by the work and beliefs of Algerian French writer, Albert uh, Camus, in- I believe in- is him. In- yes. in- so yeah. again, not what we're doing in the United States. We don't read <laughs> the uh-huh. Algerian French writers here. At least i in- would heard of him, you
1: know. <laughs> uh- <laughs> oh, that's so true. And I wrote that down in my notes, too. And that's what I love, again, about the Brits and just like European artists, you know, like they're just they read, you know, someone who is a book nerd. I love literary references, you know, and I just yeah, I love it. It's just like, yes, let's be cerebral. Like, you know, (laughs) let's do it.
0: Yeah, you shouldn't have to apologize for being smart. But apparently, okay. that's what it's come to in the United States. America,
1: I know, <laughs> I know, it's pretty sad. But I'm sure, like you know, there's smart people out there, and I'm joking. But it's yeah, I love that. The I don't get much airtime
0: these days, unfortunately.
1: No, I know, right? <laughs> I know, but yeah, no, and I love like the lyrical content. Like besides a literary reference, like I've just always been i'll say like a sad guy like i love roy Orbison. i'm like a definite definite like sad guy lyricist Mm -hmm. so like i love that i'm just like yes like be like depressing be sad but like in a way where it's like not like self-indulgent annoying it's like poetic and you're just like yes cerebral like be cerebral with your depression i love that
0: (laughs) i like that too yeah you know and shame i've hoped two thousand years but no one knows so i've cried crying then tears you know these are you know if you really take a minute to listen or, or look at the lyrics you know it's not just you know i like this girl i picked her up in my chevy there, there's a little more depth to it
1: there yes like the brokenness and i think that's also like the difference between like not even prog rock and classic rock but like american rock like mm. versus like english rock yeah you know like the point you made, like American rock is very like I'm sad, so like I got wasted, and, like drove <laughs> out into the night. And, like English rock is like my heart is broken. Like will she not like hear me? Like more like Shakespeare. Like you could yeah. tell, like okay, like British people, like they definitely like grew up on Shakespeare, you know, and we kind of just grew up on like the West Wild Friends. West. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <So funny>.
5: yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah.
5: And it's
1: still cool, though. It's still cool. That's what I love about American rock. Like it's in your face and very direct.
0: Right, but but this one doubt, no doubt is all I know. There is no right. fate. There's no luck. What does that show? Showing is proof, but proving is nothing but fear. I'm like back where I grew up, so, what the He's hell is sad. he talking about? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> like why is this guy so sad? Yeah. You no, know, it's so real, and I love that. I love it.
0: Well, let's get into Knots. I mean, that's that's the one you kind of brought up earlier, and it's, yeah. it's based on the Artie e. Lang, I guess, book. Uh Scottish writer. And this has got, you know, there's a lot going on in this one. There's a lot of trading vocals and sharing vocal harmonies. I mean, does everybody get to sing on this one? I mean
1: I think they do. Like I'm trying to think. I oh I did take note of that.
0: It goes Phil, then Carrie, then Derek, or then Way. Yeah, which is pretty amazing in a four-minute song that you know four different people get to share lead. Not to mention they're backing each other up with harmonies along the way.
1: Yeah, and they're doing like row. I think it's called rowing or just like rows, and that's Mm -hmm.
4: that's that's pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, it is hard because you always want you want to jump in, or you want you're going to want to follow along with the person in the lead, and you can't do that. You have to stick to your part. it's hard to do that. It's
1: really hard, and like they're also like um singing like very like intricate vocal melodies like not only are they doing like a complex like choral technique right they're also like utilizing like a very like um just like intricate vocal and like just everything and that's what i love about gentle giant because like they're just not afraid to, like, show off the fact, Like, yes, I know <laughs> Counterpoint. Yes, I studied, like, co- like chorus writing. Like, mm-hmm. I just love that. You know, I'm like, yes, show off, like, your nerd skills. Like, just mm-hmm. do it. I love it.
0: And is that a xylophone that Weathers is playing in the middle? I think yeah. it is, you know? Yes. You don't hear that every day, right?
1: <laughs> no, and that's what I love about Prague.
0: Yeah, and then it gets a bit heavy, maybe, uh, in the middle with a little ham and organ plus I think that's a vibraphone that they might be using. I, I'm not really even sure what a vibraphone is. Sure,
1: no, I love that. Yes, throw that out there. I'm not sure either. <laughs> I'll have to like look more. I wish I took more notes on this song. I was like focused on like the psychology aspect and just like the weird, just like layering, and also like I don't know if this is a thing with this song. But I was thinking about it just, like, the fact that it's, like, about psychology and, like, the intricate, like, layering and, like, Mm -hmm. all techniques and just, like, the whole song, at least to me, like, kind of feels like you're going insane, you (laughs) know?
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: And so, like, I wonder if they did that on purpose because, like, that's what I like about Prague, like, not only are, like, the lyrics complex, like, the instrumentation, but also like, the details, like, I, like, I'm trying to think of a way to um, phrase this, like, purposely like um using the rowing technique because like the like human mind and also like using like dissonant chords and like augmented chords because like to the human brain like that's like off-putting and like kind Mm of sends off signals like this is wrong you know and so i like that because they probably did like some prog musicians like do that on purpose like not only using like um feeling like music as a technique but also using like psychology and like the human mind and how music like affects the human mind you know mm-hmm. i feel like that's so prog in itself cuz i call like prog musicians like the mad scientists like the doctor frankensteins of rock <laughs> and roll
5: true, true. So, like i
1: wouldn't be surprised if they were like in the studio like not only are we gonna, are we going to write this song like about psychology like Let's write it in a way so, like, it causes like the human mind to be like, this shit is insane. Right, is great, you know.
0: And like I said, it's clever, but it's weird.
1: Yes! <laughs> yeah.
4: And there, I, I've got a note here that that the the Knots book is a series of dialogue scenarios which can be read as poems or plays describing the hey. quote knots and impasses in various kinds of human relationships. So. To 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 read that book and think, you know what? I'm going to make a song out of this. That's crazy. But to your point, it does sound like it's your mind talking back and forth to each other. And you know, do you have these thoughts that kind of ricochet off in there? And you know, insanity is coming. Yes, relating with
1: each other and not relating. And like, yeah, that's so to translate to to read that that
4: book. Yeah, to read the book and translate it to a piece of music. That's that's pretty pretty intense
1: no i love that and that's so prog you know yeah, just being like, you yeah. know what thinking man's music like you said and and this is this running. is one
4: where gary green is sitting in the corner i guess having tea and toast because <sighs> right he's exactly not on this one he's not jamming <laughs> i'm like gonna
1: really. let you guys just like do your thing yeah. yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah
0: now do you know i mean have you heard any of the stuff that the shulman brothers did with simon dupree uh and the big sound that was their band before they made Gentle Giant. Gentle
1: Giant? Yeah. No, I, no, honestly, I'm only familiar with Gentle giants. Okay. like, when it comes to them, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, i just I'll got. that out. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, they, yeah. they came from someplace, and it was, it was in the 60s, so it probably wasn't the same thing, but apparently, they had some success in the UK and Europe,
5: yeah.
1: uh, and then
0: they wanted to do their own thing, uh, which is understandable, so... Uh, just yeah. just curious. Yeah. Something a little little extra credit homework, I guess, there. Yeah, I no, definitely
1: <laughs> when you check it that out. I'm surprised, like I didn't think, you know, to like research or even like ask myself, like, oh, I wonder like how they even started. Like I just went straight into that and like fixated.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's all good. It's all good. And so that's that's side one. For those of us who had LPs or cassettes back in the
1: day, oh yeah, <laughs> it's a
0: relatively short record. It's only thirty-four minutes. It's eight songs, yeah. and most of them are between three minutes and about four and a half minutes. The last one, "The Rivers," a little bit longer. Yeah, um, but but you know, so they're not doing these huge like Genesis or Pink Floyd whole sides of an album one song. They're they're fitting yeah. it into what could be maybe not pop sounding but pop length. Yes,
1: right? exactly. Yes.
0: And it was one of their wives who used the turn of phrase. There's eight songs, so it's an octo opus. Get it? That's where the octopus name came from. I
1: love that. I think it was Derek's
0: wife, but I'm not 100% sure on that.
1: Okay, wow. Shout out to that wife. That's so so clever.
0: We start side two with the boys in the band, which is an instrumental. Now, how do you feel about instrumental songs in general? You like them, you don't like them. It kind of depends on... The song itself what
1: do you think yeah i'm uh i'm very on the fence okay like it it kind of depends on the song itself honestly it depends on my mood like mm. i'm the kind of person like i don't mind like long instrumental breaks but there has to be like some kind of lyrical content in there even if it's like one verse or four words yeah. like provide some context right Something, because to me like that gives it a direction like yes like in a sense like instrumentals like have a direction because to me it's more like emotional like it's more mood based Mm -hmm. for me like at least to follow it like besides like the structure and like on a technical or theoretical level sure like be in it on like a feeling level and to like be in the zone of that song like i have to like find some kind of compass and so for me like lyrical content like okay i get this like that this has a direction this has like a story Mm -hmm. you know so i prefer i prefer like lyrics over just like full-on jamming that's why jam bands aren't my thing even though i love grateful dead i love the grateful dead but i prefer they're more like their hits are just more songs with direction, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and this one, I mean, besides the spinning coin, you can hear like the spun yeah. a coin on the table and then let yeah. it, you know, do big, proud sound kicks it off. I mean, this is a cacophony of noise to start yeah. this thing. And then it settles in. You got some sustain, you know, with some guitar, maybe some keyboard in there, some horns. It's its totally instrumental. It's its very, very proggy with the starts and stops. And I, I don't know, I, I'm like you, I mean, sometimes a nice, like a YYZ by Rush, you know, that's good, but it's also a fairly brief song, you know, and uh, this one, it kind of seems, where oh, are we it's going? Like, it's, it's like we kind of came up with this concept, or maybe a couple concepts, squished it together, and it's like, yeah, we don't need any vocals for this one,
4: so... I, I don't know. I don't know if I like it or dislike it, to be honest with you. I'm not sure.
1: No, I agree I think, with you. Like-
4: I was going to say, I, this, it, to me, if you're looking at this, if you take the track out by itself, yeah. Mm, mm, I mean, I like the quarter, and I always thought that was cool because you know what that is, and you can tell yeah. when it's going to stop and then ricochet <laughs> on the table. But it's it's an, this is kind of a nice change of pace for the album. You know, you kind of had knots, which was pretty intense, and then this is kind of like the palate cleanser, like, okay, we'll just jam for a minute and then get into the rest of the record.
1: That's so true. Honestly, I like that you said that it's the palette cleanser. Because now I think when I listen to the song again, like, not that I don't enjoy it, but like, it kind of just felt random to me. But now that you said that, like, I think I'll appreciate it more now when I listen to the album, honestly. So, like, that's such a good point.
0: Well done, Jackson. You just open up her world. And while she's opening up ours, every once in a while, I (laughs) come through for you love but, it but ray shulman wrote that it's interesting i think he's the youngest right um of the shulman brothers because wow. phil was the oldest i think he was born in like yes. 1937 and he, he quit after this this record Derek was kind of the out front front man and i then, love him yeah and then ray i guess he's playing his bass he plays a lot of other things of course
4: but he's yeah. playing his bass and bass players are are pretty steady people I'll for the most back. part yeah yeah you know. Yeah, Yeah. I did. When I was looking at the notes, I did see that that's a kind of a weird deal. He was thirty-seven, and then it was forty-seven and forty-nine. So that so the the two the younger were the younger two were right on there, and he was the the outlier, Mm ten years older. So yeah, I can imagine where maybe he kind of felt a little bit he almost like a generation, I guess, behind them. Ahead of them. he probably them, felt
1: yeah. kind of, yeah, annoyed because imagine you're like the older brother and like your two younger brothers are like, let's play in the band. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know. So, as an <laughs> older sibling like, I
4: want to go home.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know the, the geriatric one. I'm <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like, I'm tired. You yeah. Know, it's- probably gets tiring and also just playing with your siblings mm. i don't know if you guys have siblings like i'm one of three and i'm the eldest and like siblings fight as much as you love each other like siblings fight and siblings honestly i think because you know on a conscious level and the subconscious level that you share the same blood and like you're kind of just like you're stuck together bonded together you fight harder than friends Mm -hmm. Or just, I feel like, any form of loved ones, at least in my experience, with siblings. So that's probably a whole other difficult experience besides being in, like, one of the most complex, like, prog rock bands. You're also, like, siblings, you know?
4: So think about that for everybody else in the band cuz you're right that is a that is a dynamic where you would always feel like it was the three of them yes. that kind of had that bond and then everybody else. So yeah, that's exactly. interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, and Jackson's the
0: oldest of five, so he knows what exactly what you're
4: oh, talking about. Wow. Oh wow. All God. about fighting in between
0: yeah. siblings. Yeah. But think yes. about it. Okay, so this is <laughs> 72, right? And he's 35 whereas those two guys are like 23 and 25. 20 you know, oh. so it's like He's he's ready to move on, and maybe he had that success with Simon Dupree. He's like, okay, we're going to create that with Gentle Giant, and when it wasn't happening, he's like, all right, screw this. You know, I, I'm getting too old for this nonsense. I don't want to oh deal God. with my little brothers anymore. Oh. Let them take it. I mean, this is what I'm picturing. But I mean, that that's a yeah. big difference, especially in like 1972 rock and roll, where the like bands don't last more than two or three years. You know, and that's he's like, so
1: true, and prog bands, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like- was kind of like just like coming out the gates you know okay. or at least like becoming like okay this is like a hit like you you can listen to a prog band and be like okay this is one of their hits like you know in 1972 yeah that's what i feel like at least like i definitely wasn't like there you know
5: right so like
1: just based yeah. off my research you know <laughs> like <laughs> that's how it seems <laughs> I
5: hear yeah
3: yeah
1: Hi,
4: this is Gary Kemp. And this is Guy Pratt. And you're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London
3: podcast. (laughs) All
0: right, well, so then they get into Dog's Life, which is the shortest song on the record. Phil sings this, but it's a raised composition. And, I mean, here's your humor coming into it, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they're they're kind of
4: talking about the family dog. It's a funny little song. It's kind of a comedy song, you know?
1: (laughs) It is.
4: Yeah. Are you looking at, uh, are you looking at your buddy just thinking, man, you what a great life you have. What do you said? He doesn't care for his hair or his teeth. If truth were known, he's a bit of a thief. You know, you're just thinking like, you're just sitting there thinking about the dog. And like, that's what I say all the time. Like I I'm working all day long and I see my dog just laying around. (laughs) Like when I come back, I want to be, I want to be you. You got a great life.
1: I know. Right. A dog's life sounds (laughs) like a dream, like paradise.
4: (laughs) Now, are you
0: a dog person, or do you have pets?
1: Yes, I actually. Oh my god, I'm a dog mom. My dog is named Jethro Tall. Amazing. <laughs> Jethro Tall's my favorite. He's sleeping by my feet right now. God, Imagine
4: that. Yeah,
1: I love dogs. I'm a major dog person.
0: Well, that's cool because we do love dogs ourselves, and you know, I Yay. I work at home, and so I'm with him. All the time, you know, and so when I go out for an hour to go do something, it's like oh my god, daddy's back, daddy's back. I'm like you never coming back. <laughs> wasn't gone that long, pal. Mm-hmm. But um,
5: yes, you know,
0: pet him on the head, give the dog a bone, use a friendly tone, he won't leave you alone, <laughs> you know. it's so true. It's a funny little song, uh, but it's you know, again, like you say, this is very prog. I mean, this is something that prog bands do, you know.
1: Yes, no, it's definitely prog because. You wouldn't hear, like, again, excluding the Beatles, because the Beatles, like, Martha, my dear, is about Paul McCartney's dog.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like, you haven't heard, at least me, I haven't heard many, like, classic rock songs about their dog, you know? And it turns out to be, like, a weird, like, complex song, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think that's cool, and that's what I love about prog rock, because their lyrical content, it's not about, like, mainstream things like you know because rock is about like love like girls cars drugs like all the like fun things and, everything like, that makes life things. worth living yes yeah right <laughs> <laughs> like the fast life uh-huh. so that's what I love about Prague it's like no I'm gonna wake up and like write about a castle or like my dog or mm-hmm. you know and, I, and it's so good I love that
0: I do too and they squeeze it all into three minutes and 10 seconds which is kind of, yeah. all the sounds and the horns and everything that's in there it's kind of amazing
1: Exactly, it's just skills, and again, that's what I love about prog rock. It's just, it's real. And I don't want to say it's like real musicians, but it's just the musicianship, like in prog rock musicians versus like rock musicians, it's off the
0: charts.
5: It's, not- it's
1: off the charts, yeah, yeah, it's off the charts. Like, even with the best rock musicians, just like it's next level, and that's and see, what
0: I love. That's part of why I have never really liked punk rock. I I, oh. I, I kind of like The Clash. You know, they, they kind of do something for me. But it, you can't play. You might have something no. to say, but you can't play. You know, and it, it pisses no. me off that people like Rolling Stone just embrace this. Like, oh, this is going to get rid of the Genesis and the Gentle Giants and the stuff that we don't love. And here's the visceral rock and roll with kids who have something to say, taking back the power. I'm like, should they be? Should you really oh. put your hands in the hands, I mean, put your, put your mind in the hands of a Sid Vicious. I mean, they can't play.
1: (laughs) No, literally. And I was going to say that, like, I always joke, like punk rock is for musicians like who don't know how to play music or they don't understand music it's it's
0: not for musicians it's for people who want to make a statement but they they aren't musicians
1: but they aren't musicians yeah it's just it sounds like noise it's just anger and noise to me or it's honestly just for people like on heroin that like can't (laughs) like it's like people who aren't Lou Reed I feel like if you're not Lou Reed or Keith Richards and like you're on heroin like This you should play punk rock because you can play horribly. Right, like you'll be accepted. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I cannot stand punk rock. Like, and it makes me sound like a grandpa because like a lot of (laughs) it's too
4: loud. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you know, because a lot of kids my age, and even the thing I just said, like kids my age, but like it's true. Like a lot of people in like my like age range, like they like punk rock. Like to them, it's like anarchy and it's like a statement and it's just it's so loud it hurts there is no lyrical content to me when it comes to punk rock Well, it has to be
0: straight ahead it has to communicate to the teenager who's not that bright you know and and it's just pissed off all the time right
1: exactly it's just pissed off that's why to me metal i'm like metal is like music like that's where like if you have a brain like mm. there are some metal bands where it's like okay this is complete nonsense and like sure. i feel like my ears are gonna bleed
5: <laughs> like right. when
1: it's like metal you know that comes from like black sabbath like rainbow like you know that classic shit iron that's maiden. good, but like yeah iron maiden but punk i'm just like come on if you're not danzig if you're not mit- the misfits only glenn zanzig's version you're just a mess. Yeah. I'm I'll agree. love Danzig until I die. I think that's because I'm a girl. And when I was a teenager, I had a crush on Danzig. Like no, so hard. Didn't. <laughs> you know who didn't so that i'm biased like that's why i'm like no i have a soft spot for danzig because he was like my teenage well, like sexual but, awakening gotcha.
4: okay um but you have to you have to say like like the but misfits were there at day one they they weren't yeah. somebody who heard that and then got into it so yeah there i, I think there no. is a place for the for the, the, the bands that originated it.
1: Yes, exactly. That's why I'll always respect the Misfits. But other than that, it just sounds like mess. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but that
0: can kind of contribute to the end of Gentle Giant's career. I, I, uh, I, think, I think what happened was they kind of had a hard time uh, writing together anymore. That's They kind of default. Deep- yes. like, we can't do it anymore. But there's also forces from the outside, like the record companies like Okay, now punk is the thing and this prog thing that you're doing, that's not working out anymore. Not to mention uh, the Peter Gabrielist Genesis. Now they're doing pop songs, you know. Oh, uh, now now yes is broken up into different and they're kind of doing more pop stuff, you know. So they're like, Yeah, we don't know if we have room for you guys. Like, well, if it's too hard internally and externally, I think it's time to wrap it up. And hey, to their credit, they never really got back together. Most bands at some point, like, there's that's money right. out there, or I need the money, or there's enough of a fan. Let's go ahead and get back together. I think maybe a couple of them have done a thing, or, you know, in the nineties or something like that. But just there was never, alive. yeah, there was never full on Gentle Giant reunion after nineteen eighty. You know,
1: no. And honestly, I love that because they didn't try to just keep up with the mainstream. And like you said, a lot of these prog rock bands did that. Like Jethro Toll even did that. You know,
5: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what I love about Gentle Giant because they stayed true to themselves. And instead of like you know evolving like with or not evolving which just trying to like fit in and stay revel- relevant mm-hmm. relevant time you know they were just like you know what we did it and probably like there were other things that tied into that just like relations with each other and you know band stuff but i like it that they stayed true to themselves and when you listen to gentle giant it's just all of like the true authentic gentle giant like there's nothing like oh, this is them when like the '80s hit and like you know like yeah, right.
4: with yeah with one guy from it. the original band or something.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, exactly. Yeah.
4: So, can you tell me what a
0: mellophone is, Autumn?
1: A mellophone. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Honestly, I don't know what that is. But I wonder if it's like related to a mellotron. I'm oh,
0: not sure. Is. I I ask because you know I, I'm looking through. I'm doing research on this. And Phil, who you know, does a lot of the the horn work on here, and, and obviously yeah, does. Yeah. This. On track seven, he plays a mellophone and I'm like, "Well, what is it?" It's- no, it's a it's a brass instrument. Sorry. It's yeah, it looks brass. like a, it looks like kind it's of like a yeah. trumpet. Yeah. Looking-
4: yeah, yeah. And I'm like,
1: I, I was literally in this. Okay, never so seen that. Before. Wow, I was <laughs> way off. Mellotron <laughs> <laughs> was way off. That's so interesting. Honestly, that's so prog rock, and that's what I love about prog rock. Like. I'll discover new instruments and just, mm-hmm. it's so cool. That's what so have you cool. got
4: at the house? I've got a mellophone. Bring it. Let's yeah, go. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you bring your it. melophone to rehearsal. <laughs> We've got a
4: song called
0: Think of Me with Kindness, and I'm thinking a melophone in the middle part might be good. What, it said nobody right? ever. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> but I like this song. I like this seventh song. It's a Meneer Wright with his spare That's voice. Awesome and it's, it's actually a very pretty song with their signature sound wrapped around it.
1: I love that this is actually, I wrote down this number one, like of my favorite songs. Okay. This one's my favorite. Cause I'm like, I think you know this, like from like my own lyrical content, just like the content of my songs. Like I'm a sucker for like love songs. Like whether that's about like falling in love, like losing love. I love that. And so this one's my favorite. Also, it alludes to um, Edgar Allan Poe. Quoth the raven it has never more and it uses it in the same way like he does like uh, talking about like loss and like love and like the love that you can never hold on to like you know in the pessimistic way and like it's just memories and so that's what i love Because again as a literary nerd i'm just like yes like please keep referencing Like my favorite books, my favorite authors. And so that just adds to the layer of like sad boy, you know, like just energy. Like I'm going to reference Edgar Allan Poe. Like not only am I so heartbroken, I'm going to reference Poe. You know, I love that.
4: Yeah, no doubt. yeah, I've, I've got uh, I've got softer and then grander with the horns. It's just a yeah, I mean, it's just it, again, we're, we're switching gears here, but it fits in with the rest of the record.
1: It does. It's so good. And as a piano player, I love this song. This is my favorite track because it's more like when I say simple, I don't mean the playing because as a piano player, it's very it's very intricate. His playing, it's delicate, it's intricate, and it's pretty. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the same time, it's very, like, simple and beautiful. Okay. You know, like, melodic-wise. Like, not even melodic, just the way it, like, hits your ear. And, like, the way your, like, brain absorbs, like, the piano playing, the melody. It's just so... It's just very dainty and beautiful. And so I mm-hmm. love that. I love that.
0: Well, that's cool. And then they they wrap up with River, which, again, is... It's almost six minutes. It's easily the lo- longest song on the record you know ray wrote it Derek sings the verses and phil sings the bridge so that's all the shulman's kind of working in concert here um yeah i mean they a little electric violin is what it sounds like but once they get the pad past the patented kind of weird stuff that i i feel like that this one is a little bit more listenable than some of the other stuff
4: on it you know yeah, I've I've got a uh, more rockin' tune, and we're back to the guitar and bass, which were, which definitely were not in the track before.
1: Yes. No, I like it, too. And I wonder if they did that because it's, like, the last track, you know? Mm-hmm. They're kind of just like, okay, let's kind of, like, tie, like, everyone together, like, because, like you said, I think, like, the wife made a point, like, calling this, like, Octopus, because it's like all like different songs just like all of them kind of like writing something different and so I like this it's like oh let's come together and like be a band and like flow together mm-hmm. so I think that's cool and
0: everybody gets to show off a little bit there's a lot more drum you know heavy stuff in there mm-hmm. Gary Green gets to, to do his thing a little bit more uh on yes. this one so yeah, it's like let's let's stretch it out you know this is the last one uh, we can make it a 32 minute record and just make it a four minute song or we could just stretch it out a little bit. We got plenty of space on the vinyl, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: But but that wraps it. I mean, and then that's that's the end of it. Now, I think this kind of helped propel them a little bit. It did get them in the top 200 billboard in America. And I think it helped them tour a little bit more in, in the UK and Europe and, and maybe even in America.
1: Yeah, I think. And also Japan. I mm. want to Google this quickly. I would li- I wanna Google this quickly to fact check myself, but I'm pretty sure this album is like the one that got them big in Japan. I'm gonna quickly look. I could be just like my brain, I'm like making that up. Well, it's it almost
0: be... six in the morning there, Autumn. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I know, my, maybe that's why my brain is a bit foggy. Like this is usually when I'm like heading to sleep. Gotcha. <laughs> Because I tend to work, like, I'll work until like 4 or 5 a.m. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm mixing or just like, I try not to track, like, play instruments or record any tracks past 1 a.m., because that's when I just become like, I call it like noodle brain and like noodle <laughs> hands. <laughs>
4: Gotcha. You end up with some weird stuff if you do it too late.
1: Yeah, because that's when your brain is just like, "Whoa!" Like I should be sleeping. Like I'm just yeah, (laughs) like delirium. It's Just delirium. So I'm like, forgive my brain, but I think that's this is the album they went to Japan with. I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. Too tired to like deep dive that on Google right now. That's okay. (laughs) You know, uh,
0: to do a little bit of a of a wrap here. What's interesting to me is yes, they they all kind of went their separate ways after 1980, after their their last album, Civilian, but they've all kind of had some interesting, you know, lives past that. And to me, your boy Derek is the most interesting one because he had this huge career in music business after being a musician. For all those oh,
1: years wow i did not know that that's so interesting
0: yeah he was uh he did a and r uh at polygram for a while and okay. he he signed bon jovi cinderella <laughs> enough's enough <laughs> like he did that you know that's and then so weird. i know but then he became the president and ceo of atco records which i think was a division of atlantic and when we Whoa. were in high school yeah when jacks and i were in high school ACDC was signed at yeah. ATCO. The Razor's Edge, which was their huge kind of
5: yeah. comeback,
0: you know, the biggest they did since Back in Black, that yeah. was on ATCO while he was in
1: charge. That's so cool. Wow, I did not know that. Thank you for bringing that knowledge to me. That's so cool.
0: Amazing. And on the prog side, he did sign Dream Theater
1: hilarious that's so hilarious
0: yeah you know <laughs> bad company come that back planned. after paul rogers had left you know yeah and then he became you know well then after that he became you know he went on to become president of roadrunner he you know he signed slipknot and nickel pack i mean he's he's had a huge career as
1: a businessman that is so crazy wow wow you learn something new every day that's so funny i love that that's so cool. And when I saw
0: him, the video of him in his like white jumpsuit yes! uh, with his initials on there, you know, doing his dance and hopping around, yes! I'm like, look at this weirdo,
4: like this guy ran at go. That's crazy. <laughs> that's so
1: funny. Obviously had
4: an eye for talent.
1: I know. Right. That's just so crazy. I know he went from dancing around in the white suit to like walking around in offices in a suit. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's yeah. so funny transition
0: but at least he made the transition i mean some people that's they never true. give up on it and they never grow up and they never figure out anything else to do and it's kind of sad that's to so see a, a guy sitting at the end of the bar like i used to be a gentle giant you know like, you don't want to see that guy right?
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> no that's so savage so true and it's honestly very rare like as a musician and maybe it's because, like again, prog rock is a thinking man's like genre. Mm-hmm. It's very rare as an artist to have like a business brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even want to go into music music business on that level right after you were like in a pretty big band. Like, even though Gentle Giant technically like isn't mainstream, right? They're still like a successful prog band, you know, so it's it's interesting like he wasn't like, oh, let me start like a weird like jazz trio or like, you know, the things that other musicians do like I'm going to start like a weird band like in another subgenre. He was like, no, like, I'm going to get in a suit and like, I'm going to go into music business. I love that. I think that's so cool.
4: Well, it could be the fact too that you know you're sitting there making this music, and you look over to the corner, and you're like, "Hey, those guys are making a lot right. of money on the corporate side." <laughs> yeah. That's I need so to do that. funny. Yeah, no,
1: that's so true. Yeah. Almost, They're not like, on the
0: bus all night with their brothers arguing. with you. <laughs> that, that seems like a pretty good gig to me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. You want to be the guy at the head of the boardroom table, not like the artist, you know, anymore. Correct. That's so true.
0: Well, Autumn. Look, we've really enjoyed talking with you here. It's been uh, it's been enlightening. It's been a lot of fun. You have a great energy about you. You have a lot of great knowledge and passion. And well, you know, look, I guarantee you that next year there's going to be some anniversaries on some big Jethro Tull or other prog albums that maybe we can
4: have you back to talk
1: about, you know? Oh, please. Yes, I would love that. You guys are so cool, honestly, well, by thank the you. way. <laughs> and,
4: and we're really looking forward to hearing your uh, your record and its completion, too. So as soon as that's ready, please let yes. us know. That's
1: right. No, I definitely will. And, like, honestly, if you guys have another, like, prog rock band, like, please, if you ever want to have me back, like, you guys are so cool and like sure. love talking about music and this was such a great experience too honestly so thank you so much
0: you're most welcome thank you no we, we need someone to educate us on toll i think marillion's uh script for adjusters Tear turns 40 next year and that was again it's another band marillion huge in the uk can't get arrested in america
1: i'm not familiar with that one honestly like right, I well, know the name.
0: Okay, well, so they've had two different lead singers. One was just called Fish, F-I-S-H. Fish, mm-hmm. and then he had a fairly big oh, solo wow. career. But it's okay. it's it's kind of like they have a best of both worlds. Like Van Halen had a a Dave and a Sammy, best of uh, yeah. you know two discs. Uh, okay. Is it Hogston, Roger, or Steve? Uh, Ho- I can't remember the other guy's name. But it's like there's it was the Fish era. Then there was the guy who replaced him, who was equally as good, different. Um, so if, if you're looking to maybe pick that up. Try best of both worlds, worlds, brilliant and I think you might, you might like some. fish, by the way, sounds exactly like 70s Peter Gabriel.
1: Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll check that out then.
0: All right. Well, we'll, we'll let you go and go to sleep, <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so much. It's okay. been a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. All right. Take care and stay in touch.
1: Yes. You too. Have a good morning. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Go to sleep.
4: All right. <laughs> bye guys. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Well, that was a fun chat with Autumn the Hawk Percival about Gentle Giant and their 1972 album Octopus. She has a lot of knowledge and passion for prog rock, and that's great. I mean, you just don't see it in people of her generation, and you don't see it, quite frankly, from a lot of women. So it's great to have her on the show to have her share her enthusiasm for this music, kind of educate us a little bit as we continue on our own prog rock journey. We want to wish Autumn all the best with her new album. Coming out here shortly, probably at the end of November. But like she said, we'll have to wait and see. Once that's out, we will certainly be all over social media. And you can find Autumn. I think you can find her on most social media outlets. I know she's very big on Instagram. So you can go to Autumn Hawk Percival and find her on Instagram and follow her. Enjoy her music. I think you're going to like some of it if you like any of the stuff we've talked about on this show. And by the way, the Marillion frontman, Steve Hogarth is the man who replaced Fish in Marillion many years ago. Uh, still going strong to this day from what I understand. But don't want to upset our Marillion fans out there. And yes, that's another Prague band that maybe, just maybe, we get somebody on to educate us about. Because again, very big in England, not so much in the United States. So, as we like to do, guys, we want to know, do we get something right? Do we get something wrong? Do we miss the point? Do we leave out your favorite part? You have to let us know. Email us, uglyamericanwerewolf at gmail.com, or tweet us at ugly underscore werewolf at actionjack72. You can DM us. You can let us know which albums, which bands, which concerts, which rock properties you want us to explore and to review. Of course, we have to thank Pantheon Pods. So proud to be part of the Pantheon Podcast family. And of course, our sponsor, rarevinyl.com, where if you go to rarevinyl.com or eil.com and use the code podcast, you can get 10% off not just your first order, but all orders you make with them over time. They're based in the UK, but they ship all around the world. And if you're looking for that rare, gentle giant, They might just have it there for you. Next week, we go back to one of our very favorite bands, and that's The Cult. The Cult are back after, I think, eight years or so since their last album. They've come back with Under the Midnight Sun, which just came out in October. I believe they're going to be doing a little tour out west in November to break in the new album. Hopefully, we'll see more of that in the coming year. But as Jackson is maybe the biggest Cult fan in the U.S., we're going to review Under the Midnight Sun on episode 102. And that will be out Thursday, November 10th. So thank you to Autumn the Hawk Percival, a lovely, wonderful, fun, enthusiastic guest. We really hope to have her on again soon. Please check her out on Instagram. Please find her new album. And to all of you rockers all around the world, until next time, be cool and stay safe.